zu einer neuen Folge von The Canadian Wants to Know. Ein Podcast für Englischlernende in Deutschland, der kraftvolle Geschichten und anregende Fragen nutzt, damit ihr auf unterhaltsame Weise eure Sprachkenntnisse verbessern, vertiefen und festigen könnt. Hier ist euer Host, The Canadian George Robledo. Welcome, Megan. Hi. I don't know what to call you because in our... <laughs> Thank you ah, for having me. Yeah. We had a pre-chat and That is true. You said, yeah, George is what people call me, but your parents don't call you that and yeah, friends at home don't yeah. call you that. And I know so, we will have that discussion on your podcast. Oh, we're going to talk about it. But should I say George for now? George, George. Hi George, thanks for having me. Yeah, no, I'm so so excited to have you here. The reason I asked you to come on the podcast because I heard you on Nicole's podcast yes. and you made one comment towards the end of that podcast that I found like, man, like I, that resonates so much with me. And it's the idea of home and, and looking for home and finding home because there's people like you and I who don't live where we were born. Yeah. Right. And I know there's also people who listen to this episode, uh, to this uh, podcast who don't live exactly where they were born. And even if they do, maybe they haven't actually felt at home in that place. Mm. So we want to talk about how do we find it? Yeah. What does it mean to be home? But I think it's important that we start in the beginning. Where were you born? So I was born in one of the little states of the 50 states in the United States. It's called New Hampshire. And it's just north of New York. It's this tiny little state uh, known for its granite mountains. And that's where I was born. Cool, cool. And how long did you live there before you, before you moved the first time? Yeah, so I was only there until I was four. But I do, what, what's so lovely about growing up in many places is you have these little sparks of memory that you have from each place that kind of highlight what was great about that for you. And so I still, even though I was only there four years, I have memories of our garden and the snow. And we had a, a husky, the dog, that would like pull me in a sleigh. And so I think if anyone's listening who's been a, a million places or is a parent and moves a lot and you wonder what your children will remember, I was only four when we moved and I still have sparks, these wonderful memories from, from that home. Wow. But then we moved, um, and I did an episode with my mom about this, where I found out that the reason we moved was job opportunities and mm -hmm. my parents seeking um, a different type of stability for our family. And so we moved from just north of New York on the east coast of the United States to Texas, of mm -hmm. all places. We have no family connections to Texas. We had no real draw there, except my parents wanted something warm. Um, and so that's where we ended up for several years. And I have so many wonderful memories and a, and a feeling of home from Texas as well. Yeah. Austin, Texas yeah. specifically. Yeah. So Austin and like, what are, cause I know after that you did move, but we'll get to that later. Yeah. We moved more. <laughs> what was it about Texas that made you feel like, ah, oh, this is, this is home? I think My parents, and this has been passed on to me, were very open, open to opportunities, open to different people. They'd both decided to move away from their biological families and close-knit communities. They were both from places where 
people don't typically move. You stay. And they took this risk and said, we're going to be the people who leave. And this is in the late 70s, early 80s, when it wasn't yet normal to kind of follow your passion. You know, it was more important to find a career. And so with that as an example, growing up in Texas, we gathered the people around us like an adoptive family. And our neighborhood was so lovely because we moved. It was our second home in Texas. We first moved into a rental while we got settled. And then my parents found this property that was being developed and we built a house. And then around us, a lot of other young families built homes. And I don't know if it was by coincidence or chance or whatever you want to call it, kismet. Um, There were a lot of other young families, a lot of other families who also had moved away from families, like relatives and things like that. And we were all seeking a type of connection from each other. And so I grew up in a cul-de-sac, you know, one of these dead-end streets that has a big circle at the end with like 30 other kids on the block. And we would go out and dance in the rain because it was warm Texas rain. And we would climb trees and hop fences and play kick the can. It sounds like an Americana movie, I know. But that was my childhood. And it was amazing. I, and that's what, like, there are so many similarities between your story and my story, right? Like my parents moved to Canada and they had no family, no connections, but we built a network of other families and we came together, they supported one another and we built like a home, Yeah, all of us, because um, all of us came here with, without any other families. And it's like, wow, it wasn't because they were my cousins or my uncles or my aunts. It was just simply we're in this environment together and we got to build something and then try to support one another. So I know what you're talking about. I know that feeling. And what came next? So in talking to my mom in this most recent episode, the why we moved, I found out why we made the next move. And it was because of a job opportunity. My mom and I both questioned after the fact, like, I wonder what life would have been like if we would have just stayed in Texas in this nice community we'd built for ourselves But as she said, unfortunately, sometimes with job opportunities, and my dad worked for Apple Computers at the time, they don't ask you if you want the opportunity. They tell you to take the opportunity. And so we ended up moving to Bay Area, California, San Francisco Bay Area, where the big Apple Computer campus is, so that my my dad could move on in his career. And Um, how old were you at that time? I was in the middle of fourth grade, so I was about nine years old. Man, that's so crazy because I was I was at the end of fourth grade when we moved to the French part of Canada. What? Yeah. Like, Matching stories. We're the same person. <laughs> <laughs> yes, we look so similar. <laughs> but I don't know how your move was, especially because it sounds like you also made a very... Um, kind of a contrast culture move. Mm, so we moved from yeah. Texas, and I think a lot of people have visions of what Texas is like, mm-hmm. to California. Yeah. And they are the same country. Red to blue. Oh, it's so different. And not just that, it was this fresh start 
that was a rough start. It was the middle of a school year. My brother and I ended up at different schools because they could they didn't have space at either one for both of us. I was this kind of weird, quote, weird kid from Texas who wasn't actually Texan. So I didn't get along with people. I got teased a bit. And it was just Did you a have really, a southern drawl? I mean, I say y'all sometimes. Okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't know if I had a Southern draw, but I think around 9, 10, 11 years old is when your accent starts to develop and your your dialect as well and the language you use. And so I don't know. I guess it, it was just a rough start for me moving to California, which is where everyone else thinks dreams are made. Yeah. How was it, it for wasn't, you? It wasn't like... Uh... Like Hollywood. You were like, wow, I'm going to Hollywood. No, I did not have <laughs> rose-colored glasses. It was not that experience at all. No. Going to the French part of Canada, it was scary. But I remember just like, oh, man, they have a hockey team. They have the Montreal <laughs> Canadiens. So at least I'll be able to follow a hockey team. <laughs> we had the San Jose Sharks. So, I mean, yeah. we we did pretty well, too. But um, it was hard. It was hard because now I'm dealing with a new language. I remember going to school the first day or mm. the first day of, of grade five. And my parents had put me in, in an immersion program, which is mm. half your classes are French, half of them are in English. And then this French teacher comes up to me and starts speaking to me in French. I did not know one word of French. So I just look at her and she says, no, you're not going to go into this program. You're going into the English program. You can't speak any French. So it's just like, man, like I was just confused. That's my first day. I was just confused. Like, man, what am I doing? Why are we here? Yeah. <laughs> What's happening? How am I going to manage this new environment? Uh, and yeah, I was awkward. I was, yeah. <laughs> uh, so it was hard. Yeah. And that was weird with girls too, because I have two brothers. So <laughs> I didn't know how to talk to girls. That was, yeah, that was weird. You figured it out eventually. <laughs> uh, much later than I would have liked. I think it's not until my 20s. I'm like, oh, I'm getting the hang of this, how to talk to girls. <laughs> but yeah, that was hard. That was hard. Yeah. But it's actually weird because the most difficult move for me was leaving Montreal. Mm. So actually, like I was in, in the French part for five years. Over time, like this, I, I created a very, very strong attachment to the place and the people there. Yeah, Leaving Montreal at the age of 16 was really difficult. I cried. Yeah, I cried. I don't know how it was for you. Because what comes after California? So for me, I end up settling into California. I... To this day, if people ask me where I'm from, I end up saying California because I was there for pivotal developmental years. You know, all my teenage years up until I graduated high school were there. So I really became a part of myself in that place. And the next move was me going off to university. And despite California having so many fantastic educational opportunities, I knew I got to get out of here. I just had this feeling I needed something different. So I applied uh, up in Oregon, along the West Coast, down in Arizona, ASU. And I applied to my parents' alma mater. So my parents both went to Penn State University. So back on the East Coast. Back on the East Coast. And 
My brother then got accepted there. He's a year ahead of me in school, and he ended up going to Penn State. And part of my story, and I think it does influence how and when and where I found home, is the fact that in that last year of high school, my dad died. Mm. And so I think people are a part of your home, and when you lose someone— you're looking for something to kind of fill that void in a way or compensate for that. And so despite really not wanting to follow in my brother and my parents' footsteps and going to Penn State, in the end, I knew I needed that emotional family support of my brother. And so I went to Penn State so that in the case that I needed that feeling of home, he would be there. He'd be at the same school. No, it's a very, very important point, which is something that I've I've realized with time because I've always been chasing yeah. like that next place. That's where I'll find it. Like I lived in Costa Rica, which is paradise. It's a really beautiful, beautiful place. And I had lived there for three years. I'm like, this is the place. And then after three years, I'm like, no, it's not. I don't want to mm-hmm. be here anymore. Then I lived in Texas. Wow. I love this place. Like I would tell people because there's a phrase in Texas I wasn't born here, but I came as soon as I could. Yeah. <laughs> and I and I actually I really felt that when I was there. I'm like, I love Texas and I love the people here. But it got really, really hot in the summer. And I'm like, oh, I don't think I can deal with 45 degrees Celsius. I don't it think was I can a deal bit with much. This. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, no. Like it, so I was always like chasing a place until I realized it's not a place. Like per se, it can be, yeah. but it's also people. Yeah. It's right? a feeling. Yeah. It's the things you get from a place mm-hmm, as well. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So for you, you say, okay, I'm going to Penn State. My brother's there. That gives me a, a sense of like stability of home. Yeah. Um, and mm-hmm. it was also the thing that I was trying to avoid was also the thing maybe I needed a bit. And it was this connection to my heritage in a way, and even though it's only one generation back, going to Penn State was a way to reconnect to my dad and to my mom and what they'd been through. And they were both born and raised in Pennsylvania. And so my grandparents and my extended family were there. So it was also an opportunity, you know, when you've got Thanksgiving break and you can't fly back across the country or Easter or whatever the the public holidays are, I would go to my extended family who were living in that state. And in some cases, it was the first time I would be celebrating a holiday with them because wow. we'd moved so much yeah. as a family. I'd never spent Easter with them. And so it was a, a new type of opportunity to connect to the family I'd known from a distance. Hmm. Yeah, that family. Yeah, yeah. No, I know exactly. Because <laughs> yeah. I moved to Costa Rica uh, I think I was 23, yeah. 23 years old. And it was the first time in my life that I'm like, oh, cousins, uncles, mm. aunts. Mm-hmm. My grandfather had 25 kids. Wow. He had a lot of children. So I have a lot of cousins. <laughs> when I was born, my mom called my grandpa and he's like, hey, you have a new grandson. He's like, number 49. <laughs> like, there's a lot of us. So I was so excited at the beginning. I'm like, Wow. Like I'd be walking around the city. The city is called Alajuela in Costa Rica. And I'm like, like a random person would like call out to me. I'm like, huh, who are you? He's like, hey, I'm your uncle. I'm like, oh, cool. Oh, I'm your cousin. I'm like, cool. I didn't, like, 
I was just meeting new people all of the time. And they knew me from pictures and I had no clue who they were. Mm. Right? So <laughs> I kind of know what you're talking about there. Yeah. Right? It was funny having this extended family for, for holidays and things like that. But it sounds like we both had the experience that even though that was really great and probably mm-hmm. gave us something, it still wasn't the right fit. No, <laughs> no, I didn't really want to get into it, but it, that's exactly how I, it wasn't. It's, it wasn't. Yeah. Uh-huh. I still needed something different. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 So you, you continued. So what comes next? So then, you know, it's the balance between I need a job <laughs> of course. and I need a life. And so I, I took on the American pressure of, you know, graduate university, go straight into a job, work your way up the ladder, do what it takes. You know, I also had student debt to pay off. And so I went straight into the workforce, went back to California, got a great internship that had job opportunity at a big credit card company, working in sales and marketing. And I was miserable. <laughs> I was absolutely miserable doing that job. And I thought, well, this is what I wanted. I wanted to be like a career woman. Why am I so miserable? And it's, it still wasn't the right fit. I'm in the middle of California, which people dream of, yeah, of with a, a great job. I'm living at home just for the moment because I've literally just graduated university. I haven't even found an apartment yet. I have a car. I was able to buy a car with the money I was making. I had everything on paper looked right, but it felt wrong. It just, I needed something else. And so one day on my lunch break, I booked a ticket to Europe. <laughs> <laughs> Why not? Why not? I think Very you and rational. I, yeah, you and I had spoken about this. Like, why did I feel the need to do this when we were talking off the air? Yeah. And I said to you, and you laughed at me when I said, well, I knew that I was a solid worker and that I was going to get <laughs> the job offer, you know, that comes after yeah. your kind of probi- probi- yeah, probation yeah. period. And you laughed at me because I, you know, it's it's so American to call yourself like a solid worker. <laughs> but that's that's how I felt. I showed up on time. I worked hard. And I knew I was a driven worker. I'm mm-hmm. someone with a lot of work ethic. So if I was there, I was going to give it my all. But I was already exhausted. Mm-hmm. So I sat down on my lunch break one day, booked a ticket to Europe for the date after my probation would end after I fulfilled my contract so that if they offered me another one, I'd have to say, sorry, I'm off. And that's what I did. I went and backpacked Europe for two and a half months by myself. And what did you learn in that time? Uh, Well, one, I highly recommend everyone do solo travel at some point in their life. I think it's so valuable to go and everything is up to you and you alone. And you're also forced into these really quiet moments where you get stuck in your own head, but you kind of need to filter through that and be in your head for a minute. And that was really valuable for me to start dissecting, who am I and what do I want from Mm -hmm. life and what does this all mean? And where is home? Where am I finally going to feel good and and maybe want to settle down for at least a, a year or so. 
And so I was in the middle of all these thoughts when I made my way through Munich on my backpacking trip. And I said it on, I think, Nicole's podcast, and I've said it to other people. It was a rainy day. It was a Sunday. And those of us who live in Germany, especially southern Germany, know a Sunday means nothing is going on. Like, everything is shut. And it was a holiday weekend, so the Monday, everything was still shut. And I loved it. Something about this place just, like, got under my skin and into my heart. And I thought, I need to give this place a chance. I don't know why, but this is, this is my next move. And, and um, it was that clear. I knew that I need to give it a chance. I didn't okay. know that, flash forward, I'd be here 15 years later. Yeah. <laughs> but in that moment, it felt like the right next step. Now, connect that to opportunity, right? Just like my parents had taught me, you open yourself up, you accept what comes your way, you try not to limit yourself on opportunities because they might not look like the thing you expected. And so the family, I was sleeping on their couch in Munich, joking over wine one night, said, well, why don't you come back and be our au pair for a couple months to get on your feet? It'll get you your health insurance, your tax number. We'll give you a little bit of an allowance, a place to stay. And I laughed at them. I'm like, no, I have, I have a degree. Yeah. I need a job. Mm -hmm. I can't be an au pair. Mm -hmm. Well, a few months later, went home for Christmas I think I was home a few days when I sent them an email and said, were you serious? Because I'll come over. I'll come over once the holidays <laughs> are over. And that was it. It took a few months just to make sure everything was arranged. And in February, the following February, 2008, I moved to Germany. Wow. 2008. Yeah. Wow. Wow. So just, you gave it a chance. I gave it a chance. And now it's been 15 years, right? So we know the end of that story. Just a cool 15 years, yeah. <laughs> Why are you still there? You know what? With each phase of life I've been through, Munich has given me something different and a different sense of home. Mm. So when I first came as an au pair and I became a walking tour guide, the sense of home was that I was going through my early 20s and this personal development And I was meeting people from around the world in ways I'd never had in my other homes along the way. And it was just so eye-opening. And Germany is the center of, of Europe geographically. And so I had opportunities to go to Amsterdam and Paris and Prague and Rome and literally see history mm. and see the world. And that's what my... That's what I needed at that time in my life. And it gave me that opportunity. And then as I moved into relationships and different phases of life and then actually seeking a career, I became a teacher. I got my degree distance and then found a school here that would take me on. It kept providing for me in these different ways that I needed as I moved through different chapters of my life. And I think for the first few years, I said to myself, oh, you know, I'll give it another year. I'll give it another year. And as long as Munich kept providing for me in the ways that I needed to feel fulfilled and feel that I was continually growing in myself and in my life, I would stay. And it's done that for 15 years now. I've become, I've gotten married. I've become a mom two times over. 
And it's still providing those things for me, that continual growth and new development and, and home. What an interesting question, huh? Like to kind of reflect, does my home provide me with the things I need? Right? Yeah. N- not just because usually we just talk about financials. Yeah. Because right? I come from the city of Edmonton, which is north north. It's a cold place to live. In the winter, it reaches minus 40 degrees Ooh. Celsius. Like no, thank ridiculously you. <laughs> cold. And I've always like, why do we live here? Like, why do people come to this place? Number one reason is economics, mm. right? So, of course, we have to take care of the economic aspect. And you did that by finding the job and the opportunity. But there's more, right? There's more to just simply the economics. Does it provide me with a network of people? Does it provide me, I don't know, cultural opportunities? What other things w- would be important for you? So for me, I wanted different types of social aspects. So I wanted, especially once I knew, let me say this, I always knew I was going to be a mom. I just knew it. It's been something that I've always looked forward to in my life. I always saw it as the legacy that I was going to have. I know that's not the legacy everyone wants to leave and not everyone has to, but for me it was. And so I also looked at Munich from the family perspective. And it provides so well for families. It's very friendly, has lots of parks, has lots of opportunities. And then Germany as a whole also provides for women and for families financially with maternity leave, with all the different bonuses that you can get to support yourself. And then from the cultural aspect, it's completely normal to go to a beer garden with a baby. And so it gave me the financial side, the stability, and then the fun. I thought, if I want to be a mom someday, this is a place where I can do it and still have fun. You know, I look at the states where I grew up, I would have a limited maternity leave, if any. And I don't know, unless you build a little play place in your backyard, I didn't feel that there was a sense of community around motherhood the way I was seeing it here. And maybe I'm wrong because I never had that experience in the States, but I saw examples of it here, and that is something that drew me in. And so it kept providing for me in that way into this new chapter of my life. No, I can see that. Sometimes I, because I, I love living in Germany, yeah. and, and, I, and I tell my students that all of the time, and they kind of laugh at me. <laughs> Because, of course, like if you've always been here, you don't realize how great you have it. Mm-hmm. Um, but what would you tell German people about this place they've created <laughs> and they've built? Well, I think Germany is special in so many ways. And one of it, one of the things is the geography and that they take advantage of that geography. And so there's a lot of life built around going into nature, into the forest, the mountains, hanging out down by the rivers, you know, that there's outdoor seating for almost every cafe. Even the small little corner cafe will have at least one table outside because they know the value in taking advantage of the geography of the place and the nature and and the fresh air. That's a very good point, especially like where I live here in Freiburg. You see like people with their mountain bikes going around the city and they have their helmets. I'm like, oh yeah, they just came down the mountain. Yeah. (laughs) 
Right. When the bike culture here in Munich, we have a huge bike culture. And that's actually how I met my husband. Wow. We met at a bike shop. <laughs> not not motorcycle bike shop. Please don't imagine me yeah, on a motorcycle. Just a regular bike. Just a regular bike. bike. <laughs> um, yeah, and I love how Munich, a lot of people say this, is a, a big city disguised as a small town. Because mm. we don't have skyscrapers in the in in the inner city. Mm-hmm. I walk through downtown and I almost always run into someone I know. I mean, we're mm. over a million people here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's just this small town feeling. And some people mm-hmm. don't like that. So they go to Berlin. Yeah, they want exactly. a bigger city. They want a little bit more yeah. grit. Mm-hmm. But it's clean here. Yeah. It's it's quiet in a way that I find comfortable. And no, it's that's nice. It's just what I needed. No, like it's a great place to be. Yeah. Like, if there's someone here listening who's not from Germany, come and visit. <laughs> come over. Come, come and on visit. Over. This is a beautiful, beautiful country. Yeah. Most people in North America, it's not on, like, it's n- if you're thinking about Europe, you're going to Italy, France, mm-hmm. Spain. Like, people don't really think about Germany, but there's so many things here. This country has a lot to offer. And I think, again, flashing back to the example my parents set for me, they were part of the reason I felt comfortable coming to Germany and giving it the opportunity to be my home because my dad spoke German. We aren't German. We have no like cultural connection to Germany, but he studied abroad when he was in high school in Switzerland and he learned Swiss German and Hochdeutsch. Yeah, like, quote, real German. Um, And then they took a job opportunity at one point before my brother and I were born to do a year in Frankfurt as well. And so I had this kind of strange German connection. So Germany wasn't quote, weird for me, where I think, uh, like you're saying, a lot of North Americans would go, hmm, Germany. Germany, yeah. That's an interesting choice. Yeah. I was like, oh, no, Germany. Like, I know this is a great place already. Yeah. No, it is. Yeah. I wish we could continue just for hours. (laughs) Let's keep going. Really great (laughs) person to talk to. But I want to start wrapping it up. Yeah. Tell us about your own podcast because it's also a really, really great podcast. Oh, thank you. Yeah, I have a podcast called Balancing Cultures. And I started the podcast as a passion project to, well, what's come to be kind of dissect myself and understand myself through hearing other people's stories. And so it's about the balancing of cultures in our lives and in ourselves. And so I talk to expats who have moved countries, but also people who are understanding how their family culture and the social constructs around us influence how they move through life. And so, yeah, come check us out. Yeah, And when I say us, it's just me. It's Mm -hmm. just me. (laughs) I'll leave all of that information in the show notes for you guys. Thank you. Thank you so much for your time, Megan. Thanks, George. I look forward to doing this again. Hopefully. Fingers crossed. You'll accept my next invitation. I'll come on anytime. (laughs) (laughs) Awesome. So that was my interview with Megan. I hope you guys enjoyed it. I'm interested to get your answers to the following question. Does your home provide you with the things you need? This can be career-wise, personal, emotional, culturally. You can leave your answers in the comment section below on my website or in one of my WhatsApp groups. 
If you enjoyed this episode, please leave a review and share it with your friends. I would be so happy if you did that. And if you want to support the podcast, consider leaving a tip. You'll find the details in the show notes. That's it for this episode. Also, bis nächstes Mal.